straight away just enjoying the church Bibles there, certain words, maybe verbs or descriptive words that jumped out. Mary opened her house. Martha opened her home to him. Opened. Martha was distracted. Lord, don't you care? Few things are needed, but indeed only one. Chosen. God, as we open your word, may it speak to our lives. Let it speak to our lives. Our working life, our family life, the personal stuff that we struggle with ourselves. Thank you, God, that you are at work in our lives because you love us. Love us enough that we may hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder in your house what it's like when you've got folks coming around for some food. Wonder what happens. Wonder who does what. Wonder how much preparation you do or doesn't matter because it's just, you know, so and so, you know. I know it's a bit of a state. Or do we apologize when people... It distresses me, I think, in Canberra, in the time I've been here, how more nervous people are about the word was opening their home. Sometimes people are a bit anxious about what... It looks like on, on the inside. But when you've got guests coming, who does the cooking? Who does the cleaning? Who does the thinking about it? Who does the speaking and the entertaining when they're there? How does it work out? It's great to have a story like this today because it really is nuts and bolts of life, isn't it? You know, here's Jesus going to somebody's. He's been invited for a meal and he's in somebody's house. This is one of the things I love about the Gospels. Very ordinary story. So what on earth is it doing there? Why is this story recorded by Luke? What's the point of this story? In the Bible, we know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were good friends of Jesus. They lived in Bethany, which is only two miles from Jerusalem. And in John's Gospel, we read that Jesus visited Jerusalem about six times. So we know that he popped in to see his friends regularly. They got to know him. We also know that Martha owned the house and assumed that she was the eldest sister. We know that Jesus loved Lazarus because we have that the shortest verse in the Bible where Lazarus died and we read, Jesus wept. He wept clearly because here was somebody who he loved, who he had a relationship with, and he felt for the whole family. He himself wept. Clearly, a relationship of depth had been forged And so Jesus is going to be with a family for some food who he knows quite well. And yet at the same time, at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus is now the most popular rabbi of the day. He was the person everybody wanted to hear. And friends were excited. Here was a friend who was becoming more and more popular and he's coming for a meal. What would you do? How would you prepare? On Tuesday, we had His Royal Highness, the Duke of Gloucester, coming here. And I tell you, the preparations were um, something that I'm happy doing at once, but not every week. My goodness. The, twice we had a recce from the Lord Lieutenant and his secretary to check that we hadn't added rooms, that they knew who was coming, 
that we went through with a fine tooth comb the order of events in terms of minutes, because the minute he stepped out of the car, who he'd meet, what order of the lineup would be, um, every minute was accounted for. Every person, I had to submit names two weeks beforehand. Delighted with how well Tuesday went, and you'll see the pictures, Jeff, at the end of the service. We'll, we'll, we'll put them on on the, on the slideshow. It went well because of the preparations. And thank you for those that helped with that in, in different ways. We last minute cleaning of windows and sweeping up. And, oh my goodness, you know, get this just, just looking really nice. Because the Duke of Gloucester is coming to open our building. So Martha, back to our story. In that case, if Jesus is coming, Martha being the elder sister, wanted things to look right. She wasn't going to serve Jesus sandwiches or take him to McDonald's when he came to them. No, actually, if you think about it, she wanted to do a good job. She wanted to go off and get the freshest fish, probably, from the market. She probably knew the fishermen to ask and said, Hey, Jimmy, you know, when your boat's in, I want the best fish that you've just caught. Jesus is coming for, for some food. Then in the market, the shopping spree probably took on a life of its own. She was getting some dates, she was getting some pomegranates, but she was having a great, she wanted the best of stuff because Jesus was coming for tea. What a shopping spree. And the next morning, there's a flurry of activity. She's cleaning the house, cleaning around about the house, getting it ready for Jesus, the famous rabbi, coming to their house. How excited. She got her nice stuffer, a candelabra, her best crockery to make it look lovely. It was then the time of arrival. Jesus knocked on the door and she beamed and he said, oh, this is, looks great, Martha. Thank you. And he came in and she felt good and he sat down. And as rabbis do, he started speaking. Telling stories, telling stories about the kingdom. He's speaking with people, asking them how they were. Martha at this point, you know, being the good hostess, just going to say, right, I've got one or two last minute things to do in the kitchen. I'll be with you in just a minute. And she disappeared off the kitchen. Meanwhile, Mary, the younger sister, is just sitting, listening, transfixed with Jesus and his stories. To the point where Martha in the kitchen is thinking, Hold on, I thought the arrangement was that Mary would come in here with me. What are you doing? What's going on? And so probably in her preparing, she began to bang the pots a little bit more. You know, kind of like, uh, uh-huh, indicate Mary, get in here, you know. Mary's just sitting, listening. How hard for Martha. To the point where Martha finally comes out of the kitchen, maybe slams the door and says, Mary, Lord, would you tell him? Because he was a friend after all. Surely he would help. Lord, would you tell her to get in there? And we've got some, you know... Last minute things to do. For goodness sake, Mary, get a grip. Jesus turns and says to Martha, quite harsh words, aren't they? In that circumstance, how you immediately feel, poor Martha, what's she done to deserve this? She's been getting her house ready. She's done all the things right. And Jesus turns and says these words that are quite a bit of a rebuke there, really. Whew. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, calm down. Some things are really important. Some things are even more important than food or drink. Just calm down. And so ends the story. But again, why is this story in the gospel? We need Marthas in our families. If no one does anything, it's useless. We do need people to do things. In our church, I'm grateful for the amount of things. We have a tendency to be activists. We do, I think, in, in Camborne, because we're mobile, running around people. There's a tendency always in each of our lives just to run a bit too fast. 
try and do a bit too many things. Partly because there's so many much in our life that we can do nowadays. That was certainly the case with Martha. The thing about this story, I think, is that Martha has become a symbol of an action-orientated society, of people who get the job done. There's nothing wrong, and Jesus does not criticize Martha for being responsible and being prepared. Martha's fault is that she is too busy to listen, too distracted to sit at Jesus' feet and enjoy him being there. And so, in an unforgettable fashion, Luke records the importance of listening before doing. So, in this story, we talk about Mary and Martha. Sometimes, I think it's important to get in our heads when we talk about the story, Mary first and Martha, because listening precedes acting. Jesus says, be hearers and doers of the word. He doesn't say be doers and then hearers. He says, be hearers and then doers of the word. Martha has become a symbol of a person who's just too busy and has lost the art of listening. I think, um, Craig, it was a couple of months ago in the newspapers, they were saying, they're doing a survey with, with children growing up, and uh, they were saying how little time, I think it was an 11-year-old, 7-year-old, 8-year-old, they're looking at how much time undivided attention a child would get without the television being on, without other things happening, without the rush, undivided attention was in terms of minutes per day from their parents. It's a challenge for all of us in the frenetic lives that we live, the opportunities that we have to listen, to listen, to listen. How easy is it to come back and to hear someone saying something, and all you hear is blah, 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 blah. Someone introduces you. You, you, you introduce, introduce somebody new, and you're thinking, but I've got to do something else. I know on Tuesday I did a bit of that. Watching the time, we've got two minutes, we've got to be here. And I'm sure I probably didn't have good conversations with people, because I was conscious of the time for the Duke to get him around the hall and out again. Maybe okay in occasional one-off things, but we can't live our lives that way. This story is in the Bible because listening comes before doing. How do you listen? Do you listen to your body? Do you listen to the world around you? How are you with silence? Small animals, have you listened to them moving or the noises that they make recently? The noise of the waves breaking at the seashore. The noise of of, of, of sounds within Camborne. I think as we listen, we can then better position ourselves in this created world. Listening is focusing on the other person, blocking everything else out. A bit like taking binoculars and saying, I can see all of you, but actually, I'm just going to focus on Steve. Just going to look at Steve. And nobody else, nobody else matters because I've got my binoculars on. I'm really listening. Listening with my heart as well as with my ears. Listening with my head, my heart, every part of me is engaged. That's surely what love's about. We need to listen well if we're to love well. So the story affects our working patterns, our colleagues that we work with, our home life, our family life. Listening 
listening deeply to the needs of those that we live with. But listening too to God, to making time to listen to God. That's what we were saying earlier and setting the scene. Jesus made time to listen. To listen to what God was saying. Again, the binoculars, blotting everything else out, letting go of all the stuff that we can worry about. The stuff that we still have the idea to do. And just focusing to listen for God speaking to us. Speaking our name. It's a challenge for all of us to listen first and to do second. Listening is a gift. It's something that we've got to work at. Of centering ourselves, of concentrating on the other. And as Christians, that means Jesus Christ. And listening for him in our conversations, in our singing, in our praying, in the circumstances of our lives, that we may listen and hear Christ's word saying things to us.